Welcome to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Wargle, the football and men's basketball beat writer for Rivals.com, and we have a full show for you this weekend. We will begin breaking down the Wisconsin Spring roster position by position over the next several podcasts, and we will have some Badger basketball news to get to with an announcement, a signing, and a commitment. And we'll touch on that towards the end of the show. But we're going to jump right into it. We're starting with spring football. Wisconsin football has completed three of its five weeks and nine of its 15 practices during phase two of its 2021 offseason. And Badger Blitz is one of the media outlets who is allowed to attend a select number of spring practices. Jake Kokorowski has been there. He was there on April 10th and April 13th. And he has filed this report for us for the podcast, an exclusive report uh, what he has seen inside Camp Randall Stadium. Hello, everybody. This is Jake Kokorowski, senior writer at BadgerBlitz.com, giving you a spring football update here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. And we've only had two of the eight practices open uh, to reporters, but I was there on Saturday, this past Saturday, and on Tuesday. We should be able to, weather permitting, be able to watch Saturday morning's practice as well, uh, which is supposed to take out probably like mid-morning right around there. So I'll be down there again at Camp Randall Stadium watching the team practice. And here, just giving you some quick updates as to what I've seen. Of course, go to BadgerBlitz.com. After every practice, you'll see me break down exactly what I saw, who's out, who shined, and go from there. So I hope you guys check those out. Uh, Real quick, kind of going through, I know everyone's taught, you know, the most famous position right now, the most popular position in football is quarterbacks. And I don't know, kind of just talking about that. I was going through my notes, and I think if I didn't miss anything, I've only seen one interception thrown during, like, teamwork, and that was Danny Vandenboom when he threw an interception to John Torchio, which if you look at what, if you call it a pick six, you can call it that if you want to. Uh, but, um, you know, he took it back uh, for, for a long game there. Uh, but the other two quarterbacks, obviously QB one and QB two assumed is Graham Mertz and Chase Wolf respectively. And yeah, you know, uh, kind of, you know, you, you take a look at my notes that I've had in, in the articles and, uh, but I kind of want to dive just a little bit deeper into just what I've seen so far in two practices. And again, it's only two practices out of the eight, we're going to have a bigger picture coming up on, on Saturday. I'm sure we'll get more, uh, the, the stroke, if you will, in terms of painting as an analogy, we'll, we'll, we'll see broader strokes and we'll see further how they've developed as we continue to see more and more practices that are, that are open to reporters. But, uh, just based off of those two and maybe a somewhat small sample size, I've liked what I've seen out of both. I think both quarterbacks are throwing the ball. Well, uh, we've seen, you know, Graham Mertz makes some big throws. Uh, I know he hit, um, you know, Danny Davis and then AJ Abbott, uh, you know, during practices, Chase Wolf, I thought has, has had some good throws as well. Um, you know, I, and then, uh, you also see with Chase a little bit of the side, you know, arm motion here and there. Um, but you know, I do like what I'm seeing out of both those quarterbacks, especially with, I think Mertz, uh, you're seeing, you're seeing good throws on his end. I mean, he had a, he could have had a big throw. I think it was on Saturday to Danny Davis, but he just, he like maybe a yard or two overshot him. Um, but you know, he, it's a good sign to see, you know, those quarterbacks, you know, looking, I would say relatively sharp, uh, during this part of practice too. Uh, and I talked about, you know, uh, AJ Abbott, it, it, on Saturday, Danny Davis, I thought had a really good day in, in hauling in some passes and, and making his presence known and, and whatnot, not just in, in like the long game and uh, long passing game, trying to, you know, break, you know, 
I talked about the fact that he got deep uh, and beat the secondary, which would have been a long completion if uh, the ball's not overthrown. But I thought he also worked well in the short passing game. Uh, but, you know, A.J. Abbott, I think, is going to, you know, looking at depth. And Kendrick Pryor did not practice uh, on Saturday. Uh, he did come back. He was, you know, I would say, you know, he, he did a little bit of work on, on Tuesday. And, you know, outside of Davis and Pryor and, you know, you looked at prior, he had that left, UW called it a left leg injury uh, on Saturday. But, you know, besides Davis and Pryor, they need others to step up, like, you know, Chimray DK, uh, who I, I think has looked good. Uh, he's had a couple of good uh, passes that he's uh, hauled in, especially on on Tuesday uh, and whatnot. Uh, but A.J. Abbott could be another name. You obviously have Jack Dunn, but A.J. Abbott on Tuesday had some really nice receptions there on his end. Uh, in terms of uh, beating the defense on that, you know, deeper level, we we, we talk about just who's going to be a deep threat for Wisconsin in that passing game, and they, they need someone to you know keep defenses honest because of, you can't just uh, continue to try to run the ball with eight or nine defenders in the box, right? So with that, I, I would say I've liked what I've seen out of AJ Abbott and like and what he's done in his. Uh, you know, short time in the two practices that were open to the media there running backs. I really do. Uh, you know, I think we've seen a lot of Brady shipper. Uh, if you read my reports on Tuesday, you know, Jalen Berger and Julius Davis did not, uh, practice, uh, UW on the weekend had mentioned they had both had leg injuries. Uh, Berger appeared to suit up, uh, on Saturday for a bit and then was taken out, um, and, and whatnot there. But, you know, we've seen a lot of Brady Shipper. Isaac Grendel did get some work on Tuesday, uh, but you saw a very heavy dose of Brady Shipper, but also a couple of fullbacks in John Chanel and Quan Easterling. Easterling. It's going to be, uh, in my opinion, going to be very interesting just to see how this position group, and it's just a spring. I mean, spring where, you know, they, I think this is a group young enough that they need the reps, but uh, underneath that new running backs coach, Gary Brown, just how they develop it's going to be a key position because obviously Wisconsin likes to run the ball as we have noted through, you know, for, for quite, quite a while. Uh, but you know, for that matter, I thought Chanel and Easterling actually looked pretty good running the ball uh, as well. They had some, a couple of nice gains on their ends on Tuesday. Uh, Brady Shivers getting a lot of carries. And, and I think that, you know, he, he could turn himself into uh, a contributor down the road too. Uh, he had a couple of nice, yeah, I think he had at least, at least one or two nice runs from what I saw, or even catching the ball out of the backfield. I know on one play uh, on Tuesday that he took for a longer gain too. So uh, that's something to work look on on both lot. Uh, you know, I would say uh, those are some key positions, at least for the skill positions there. I would also say, you know, with the offensive line, you know, we've seen kind of the first team offensive line be, you know, from left tackle to right tackle, Tyler Beach, Josh Seltzner, Caden Lyles, Jack Nelson, and then you have Logan Bruss. I would venture to say, yeah, you know, and I, I mean, I've tried to check too, but I have not seen much change in that for this week in the past two practices. Uh, you know, you've had a second team line of, uh, it was Logan Brown, I think on Saturday, but then uh, there, you know, he, uh, Riley Malman got some snaps because Brown had what UW called a, a non COVID related illness there. You had, uh, then from like left guard to, to right tackle, you had Cormac Sampson, Tanner Bordellini, 
you had uh, Michael Furtney and then Trey Wedig. So you have those guys uh, when it comes to just how uh, those lines have been. I haven't seen much change. And we, you know, I'm sure uh, Ben's talked about, you know, just uh, the offensive line too in recent episodes too. Just talking about just how uh, this, you know, you know, it's going to be interesting to see who replaces who and who steps up uh, at various positions coming up, uh, especially on the offensive line. But I haven't seen much change where they've like flipped and flopped or they've changed, you know, guard roles over the past two practices. Uh, I haven't seen much much change on the lines in terms of mixing and matching. Uh, I'll be interested to see what happens next week or even tomorrow as I'm recording on a Friday, just what happens there. You also uh, going and seeing, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, I think one thing to look at, uh, you know, both Keanu Benton and Bryson Williams, uh, left leg and right leg respectively, according to UW in terms of injuries for those two, uh, you know, they have not practiced the past two practices that have been open to the media. You've seen a lot of Gio Paez in that uh, defensive, in that nose tackle look. They're getting a lot of reps. Um, it will be interesting to see just how inside linebacker looks in my eyes. Obviously, you have Jack Sanborn and Leo Chanel as the starters. Mike Mascalunas has been out with a core injury, and he told reporters that he's hoping to get back within a week. Uh, he said that to us on Wednesday. But it will, you know, behind them, you know, you have Tatum Grass and Muma Jungmeta, who have very much uh, taken reps behind Chanel and Sanborn, especially on Tuesday. I, I, I am intrigued to see just how those two continue to develop because there, there, there should be depth that's needed there. Uh, and for those that uh, hopefully you all read Ben's article on BadgerBlitz.com talking about uh, just what Muma had to go through in 2020 uh, related to injuries and, 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 and adversity that he went through there. So, uh, but outside linebacker, you know, I know Noah Burks, you know, he, he suited up on Tuesday. Uh, you know, he was going through COVID protocols and uh, previously, but I, I really do like Nick Herbig. Uh, I think he's going to shine really well. And it, I, that's, I mean, that's just me speculating, but he, I feel that he's going to step up big as a sophomore. I like what CJ Getz can bring. Uh, I think overall, like that outside linebacker group, there's a lot of unproven potential uh, in terms of pass rush. Spencer Lytle, you know, and, and whatnot. I think he has the body frame that, that, that can really stand up at that position. Uh, you have Aaron Witt and whatnot and um among others so I, it is very much a uh and i'm just looking back on my notes too just to see who was all in there and i, I guess I, I think this group could be really uh really special uh going forward and we'll just again we'll just see how everything plays out there uh even like tj bowlers i think is going to be a very intriguing player down the road and him getting in early is is good on that end uh secondary wise as i'll wrap up here uh you know i'll do special teams in a second but when it comes to the secondary uh, with fan hicks you know returned you know did some work it looked like he didn't see him in team drills necessarily on tuesday but he was out on saturday but i saw you know caesar williams work with i'm not mistaken uh alex smith and uh several others i'm looking at my notes right now uh, but you know, Alexander Smith, Dean Ingram, Dante Burton at corner, um, you, on top of that, in terms of slot, because Hicks with Rashad wild goose out, you know, it's assumed that, you know, fan Hicks will get a lot, a lot of work in the slot, but you're also seeing Dean, Dean Ingram and Alexander Smith get receive 
snaps there uh, working on the inside. So there's versatility where they're both working on the outside corner spots, but you're also seeing them on the, the inside in the slot, which is a very key position. Uh, it's going to be something to w- worth watching going forward. Uh, but yeah, I, I do feel that, uh, you know, safety wise, you know, you have Scott Nelson and Colin Wilder from what I've seen. Uh, second up's been John Torchio and, uh, and whatnot in, in the second group at the very least uh, there. I guess special teams, one thing to watch, just, uh, you know, back catching punts on Tuesday uh, was you know, included, you know, Ingram and, and, and DK, uh, but also Jack Dunn, Danny Davis, Devin Chandler were catching some punts back there. They weren't necessarily going through like punt return drills. It was more watching the punters punt and they're just catching um, and whatnot. I, the lone, you know, you know, look, talking about long snapper. I think this is going to be one area to watch just because, it's so crucial and it's such an understated part, underrated part of football, but the long snapper position gone is Adam Bay, obviously. And looks like, you know, like he could be, he could go to the next level. I think he's got the talent to do it, but then you also have uh, someone like Peter, uh, you know, Bowden who or Bowden, who, uh, you know, I think, you know, it seems like he's gotten a vast majority of the snaps that way and whatnot. Um, is a primary long snapper. So, um, I'm going to keep an eye on him just because, like I said, a bad snap for a punt, a bad snap on a field goal or extra point can obviously drastically change the game. So uh, other than that, uh, just to kind of go through a couple more injuries, just for those that if I didn't ask, you know, Isaiah Green May has been out still uh, with an injury. Um, cornerback, too, I, I know I mentioned Fayon Hicks coming back on Tuesday, but, you know, Deron Harrow had a right, has a right leg injury. Samar Melvin has a right arm injury as well. So you know, it's allowing players to, you know, even like a guy like Al Ashford um, or whatever, or Amon Williams, those guys have gone and, uh, you know, re- you know, they've received reps, I think with a, you call it like the second or the team or the reserves group. So they've gotten those reserves with, with that position group uh, with Hank Poteet's uh, position group, uh, kind of down in town, kind of down in numbers uh, with some, those that have, played in big time situations there. So, uh, which is good. I think for the young guys, obviously they can receive uh, some uh, coaching and, and whatnot as well. So uh, uh, I will let you all go there. I'm Jay Kokorowski shipping this back off to Ben. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. That is Jake's report. And to get his full report for yesterday's practice, April 17th, log on now to badgerblitz.com. As I said at the top, over the next several weeks, I'll break down two positions per podcast, and there's no better place to start on the Wisconsin roster than with Graham Mertz and the Wisconsin quarterbacks. And with Jack Cohn having transferred to Notre Dame, Mertz enters this offseason, this season, with the program squarely on his shoulders. He started all seven games a year ago. He completed over 61% of his passes, threw for 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns, and five interceptions. Not a bad debut season. However, five of those touchdowns came in that sterling performance against Illinois in the season opener. 248 yards in the game. He set a school record for completion percentage. He went 20 for 21. That's 95.2%. But those other six starts kind of failed to reach that lofty mark he set for himself. You know, you boil it down, those six starts, just 990 yards per uh, total, 165 yards per per contest. Four touchdowns, five interceptions, and three fumbles over those six games as well. Now, granted, Mertz battled COVID. He had an injury to his throwing shoulder that required a weekly cortisone shot that wasn't roundly uh, reported during the season. 
and he was without senior receivers Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor for most of the season, but he makes no excuses for a 57% percentage, uh, completion percentage in those final six games. So a lot of the eyes uh, on Mertz uh, will be on his development this season and how he can use the full offseason at his disposal to grow in the position. Now, probably because of his youth and the COVID pauses and the recovery from the virus, Mertz has struggled to consistently make the offense function at a high level after tearing apart a bad Illinois team. And when you boil it all down, Wisconsin finished 108th in the country at average passing yards per game, 87th in passing efficiency, and 81st in third down percentage. Part of the reason why Wisconsin struggled to put points over the board against the Indianas and the Iowas of the world in their top games in their 2020 schedule. Now, a noticeable difference this year for Mertz will be head coach Paul Chris having a bigger voice in the quarterback room. Chris took a back seat to play calling last season so he could have a bigger focus on the rest of the roster, uh, a decision that I think irritated a lot of people from the outside looking in. And, you know, upon further evaluation, Chris has resumed those duties, those play calling duties, and hopefully that will bring a spark back to the offense, a spark that maybe was missing at times last season against those top opponents. And the reason why Chris is back is as John Budmeyer has left the program to take the offensive coordinator position at Colorado State. Chris decided to hire a cornerback coach instead of a quarterback coach, causing the shift in how roles are handed out this year in the offense. Now, with Chris's history of growing and molding young quarterbacks, how will Mertz evolve and grow from his failures of a season ago and become a more well-rounded quarterback? More importantly, can he work his way out of the ruts that he experienced last year to breathe confidence within the offense without forcing passes and creating turnovers. Now, for stars, Chris and Mertz have worked throughout winter conditioning on detailing those shortcomings and identifying those areas the offense struggled in in 2020, and that has led to improvements with Mertz's footwork in those shotgun situations with his drop step, playing with better timing and anticipation, and taking what he's learned in the offseason and putting it to work on the field throughout these spring practices. Now, Mertz is the perceived starter, but you know, keep in mind, Chase Wolf is still there and could give him a run for his money. And now, he only appeared in three games last season, but Wolf threw that critical third-down touchdown pass against Minnesota on his first snap after Mertz had to exit the game with a mild concussion. And Wolf's ability to move, uh, move in the pocket allowed the coaches to have to put in some run-pass options for him in those final two games of the season. However, if you remember, Wolf hung two deep ball throws that were intercepted against both Minnesota and Wake Forest. Now, Wolf arguably has as much talent as Mertz, but has struggled to display that on the field, making spring important for both Mertz and Wolf to improve in their arsenal. And, you know, there's only really a two-man race at the position. Danny Vandenboom and Daniel Wright have been taking mostly 13 reps, and Deacon Hill is not going to arrive until the summer to play his high school season, which just ended but Deacon Hill doesn't really figure into the mix at quarterback this fall. Now, onlookers add that there is a conviction to Murch's approach, natural in the progression of a quarterback who went from no starting experience to playing a full season, full being seven games. The growth started to peak out later in the season, if you remember. He threw three picks in that loss, that ugly loss in Northwestern, and he struggled against Indiana and Iowa, but he closed the season with no interceptions in his final two games, and accounted for three touchdowns, including those first two career rushing touchdowns of his in that big bowl win against Wake Forest. Now, the internal improvement is one of the reasons, in my opinion, Mertz is excited about moving this team in the direction that's going in. 
You know, one of the first things the group did when returning to campus in January was dissect the previous season. And one needed area of growth the group identified was becoming closer as a team, an opportunity that was really taken away uh, when the players went months without seeing each other due to COVID and protocols forcing summer conditioning to be limited to small groups. Now, with things starting to look closer to normal, Mertz told us in the media that he finds himself naturally gravitating to teammates in the locker room, reaching out to players on both sides of the ball to talk about anything, from football to a story about their childhood. And all this, in my opinion, gives credence to Mertz's belief that last year's up-and-down performances have given way to a steadier approach within the offense. Now, with games still five months away, Mertz is now laying the groundwork for Wisconsin's offense to bounce back in the fall. Here now is our spring practice conversation with Wisconsin quarterback Graham Mertz. Graham, I know you've said you've had confidence in all your guys who are on the field, but what did you find to be the biggest challenge on offense at times last season with so many guys not able to play? And how much better do you anticipate this group being this season? Yeah, I think in the end it just comes down to execution. And that comes down to practicing better and the, the focus on detail during the week and really knowing your role and, and how you need to execute during the game. And I think for us, like we've only had two to two practices of spring ball, but it's going to be a completely different team. Um, guys are playing with confidence, trusting the game plan or trusting the installs we got in and, and flying around making plays. So uh, this spring ball will mean a lot. And I know it's from where we were last year, to where we're going to be this year, completely different. I got complete confidence in that. Yeah, Graham, Danny and, and Chase were talking about, you know, you've got a different quarterbacks coach in Paul versus John, and not saying one is better than the other, but it sounds like a little different approach this year, more having the quarterbacks look at the run game, a more holistic approach. Can you address how things have changed for you in dealing with Paul versus John? Yeah, I mean – First off, Coach Bud was a great coach and, and still is, and that's why I got a great job over at Colorado State. And then uh, for us, it, the verbiage didn't really change a lot with uh, just because he was working with Coach Chris the entire time. So as far as, like, verbiage, it hasn't really changed. But the emphasis on the little things and, like, being able to get up on the board, draw a play up and explain it and, and truly have complete and, and full confidence in that play and, and knowing every single part of it and even in the run game. And... Really, it's the attention to detail in, in that aspect that, that Coach Chris really has been emphasizing in the eight weeks of winter conditioning and then up to this point. So it's been great. Graham, a couple of other quarterbacks, especially Chase, mentioned the game slowing down for him a little bit. Obviously, when you started the games last season, you could see at times maybe it sped up and slowed down to like the, the inconsistencies. Have you felt yourself kind of leveling that out and finding a, a more consistent rhythm here in spring? Yeah, uh, completely. And, and that goes with working over with uh, Coach Chris in the winter and, and truly just detailing up what happened during the season and how to improve on that and playing with more smooth uh, footwork in the, in, the, in the gun and under center and playing with great timing, great anticipation. And uh, it's been great these first, these first two practices just to put that, that work to uh, really bring that to life on the field. And I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm playing some, some smooth and crisp ball right now, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm loving it. So it can only, only go up from there, which is fun. Graham, not to dwell on the past from, from last year or whatnot, but I was reading the UW Badgers uh, article about uh, you injuring your throwing shoulder last year. Uh, last year, When did that occur, and how much did that affect you during those games, you know, uh, mid, you know in, in November and December? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it was. It comes with playing the sport. You get hurt and, and you go through stuff like that, and having to get like a quarter zone shot during the week, stuff like that. But um, I'm not the one to sit here and make excuses to how I played. And having a little banged up shoulder doesn't doesn't justify losing three or three games and playing like that. So uh, it's I'm not gonna sit here and make that an excuse because it's not. Graham, has anybody from the like wide receiver or tight end group stood out to you so far? I know it's only a couple of practices in, but maybe throughout the their winter and that work. Yeah, um, I'm I'm going to be broad with this answer because those two groups and as a whole, they're uh, they're truly paying attention to the details and emphasizing route depth and, and getting out of their breaks and really just competing for the ball and going up and getting it. And uh, I think those two groups as a whole are doing, doing a great job of that and truly competing their asses off and bringing that energy every day. And I could, I could narrow out single guys and explain how they're doing it, but everyone's doing it different, and that's the cool part. But as a whole, those two groups are doing a great job of competing and, and bringing that juice every day. Well, what, if, what specifically have you worked on the most during the offseason in terms of trying to become a better quarterback? Is there any specific part of your game you've really, you're really emphasized? I think I wasn't sure. Yeah, I mean – for me, you cut on the tape and it all comes down to footwork. And for me, being able to control my speed of my drop and uh, really breaking down each step of the drop and, and how to play with great anticipation. And these past two practices, uh, it's it's kind of back to that feeling of just playing. And, and that's that's the part for me that's fun. And uh, really, I feel like my knowledge of the game uh, from last year is kind of, it's grown a little bit, but it always grows. The more you, the more you keep going, the more you, you learn. But um, for me, it's it's the drop and playing with that, just playing smooth and having fun playing smooth and just going out there and making plays. And I, for me, I think that's the biggest thing is drop and, ju- and just playing the way, pl- dictating how I want to play. And, and that, that all comes down to one thing you can control, and that's that's how you drop and, and the timing you're playing with. Yeah, Graham, with the full season under your belt now, has this offseason, have you noticed in practice anything kind of slowing down for you? Has it been coming to you a lot easier than any prior offseason you've had before? Yeah, yeah, it's been great. The game slowed down a ton. And for me to just really just get more reps at it and, and having a spring ball to just grow and learn and, and make some mistakes, learn from them, and then move on and grow. And uh, for me, I think that this spring is going to be big time for me and truly being able to focus on the things I messed up during the season and make sure it doesn't happen again. So it's it's going to be great. Graham, uh, in the past, you've talked about how much you love watching film. After the Mayo Bowl, when did you start watching film, or, or did you kind of give yourself some time to just kind of relax and get away from football a little bit? Yeah, I gave myself a couple of days just to kind of reflect on the season, and from from that point to see, all right, what's going to work best for me going here or moving forward, and what do I need to do to – before I go and turn on the film from the season, how do I need to improve? And, and truly just taking like a holistic approach to it. And even even outside of football, like during a game week, how am I going to take that time to focus on myself as a human being <laughs> and, and just enjoy life? And for me, it's I took a couple of days just to kind of take that approach. And all right, how can I how can I be the best Graham during the season? And then, and then I went back and rewatched the season and really focused on all right. Here I'm going to look at my drop and then look at drops for a couple of days and say, all right, I'm going to look at scheme and how, how I went through the play. So for me, I, I took that that time at home to kind of break it down into chunks of this week I'm going to focus on drops, this week is going to be scheme, this week going to be like defensive recognition. 
and that time at home was great just for me to just kind of slow it down and, and take it piece by piece and, and where I need to go from there to improve and from that point it was uh it's, it's clear as day now on, on what I need to do and, and that's the fun thing and, and this is where this is the chunk of time where it's you really get to put that to work and we guys saw last year what COVID could do to a team and spreading through a team like it did. Are you nervous at all with how uh, the protocol right now for you guys not to be tested daily? I mean, we're still testing. We're, we're going uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday and making sure that we're still practicing safe. And uh, we're, we're doing everything we can to make sure it doesn't happen again and, and making sure we can make the most out of these practices. So uh, as a team, I, I don't think we're really, we're really worried about it. Um, we're, we're still taking the safety precautions and everything we need to do in order to keep having practice. But um, I don't think you guys are really extremely worried about it, especially with all the, like, the vaccines rolling out. I know we got a big chunk of the team that has gotten vaccinated. So I don't think the the stress on it is, is as big as it was, but we're, we're still taking care of what we need to do. Graham, this is your third spring here, but obviously your first one where you've been a starter and, and better know your role. How much more comfortable do you feel with developing relationships with teammates and being willing to tell them pointers or things you want from them, maybe some of the things that don't always go into a specific play. Yeah, I mean, I think that just comes down to being a quarterback. And the way I try to carry myself as, a, as like, a leader and a quarterback on the team is, like, how, how can I be as close with everybody on the team as I, as I can? And that, that goes to every day walking around the locker room, not, having your, not looking at your phone, like, really engaging with guys and just, like, asking them, like, dude, just talk to me, like, explain tell me a story when you were a kid <laughs> and just getting to know guys at a deeper level that you, you normally wouldn't in the locker room and uh but like for me it's I've always tried to be like that and I'm, I'm never I never force it it just it just kind of comes to me and it's, it's it's fun to do and it's fun to learn about people and how you can relate to them and then like taking that onto the field you you build up that trust off the field and then you can carry it on the field and like for example like a like a guy like Chimp and off the field, we've had a, a bunch of deep talks and just kind of talked about like our goals and like where we want our, this team to go and, and stuff like that. And then like we've built up that trust on the field. All right, if, if he messes something up, I know I can go talk, tell him right now. All right, dude, I need you at 14 yards. Like you can't be at 13. I need you, I need you at 14. <laughs> and then and then we're good to go. So for me, it's taking care of that off the field and, and building that trust up so you can carry it onto the field. And I, I think that's that's what you need to do as a quarterback and as a leader. Yeah, Graham, when, when the team reunited for, for winter workouts and you guys maybe talked about what didn't go as well as you had hoped last year, what were some of the things you discussed? And do your teammates share your enthusiasm that 2021 is going to be a completely different team? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that we got back to, or when we got back and we talked about was just being a team again and really having that time to go through winter workouts, go through spring ball, go through summer together. And, and how can we get that sense of like that togetherness back that you, that you didn't have during the COVID year? Or that when you're when you're at home for three months and you can't see a guy face to face, so the first thing was all right. How can we get to that point where we're just together and, and working out and, and building those bonds? And then uh, to answer your question, yes, <laughs> I think I think if you're not if you're here at the University of Wisconsin, you don't have those goals and you're at the wrong spot. And we we know what the standard is. We know where we want to go and. Everybody's ready to. Now, taking a closer look at the quarterback position, let's look at who Graham Mertz is going to hand the ball off to this upcoming fall. It's likely going to be sophomore Jalen Berger, who led the team in rushing yards a season ago, 301 yards on 60 carries. He did all that 
despite only playing in four games. Didn't play in the opener and missed two games because of COVID. But this spring supposedly was going to be big for Jalen Berger to get a full offseason under his belt. But of the four running backs on the roster, only one running back is healthy, and that's walk-on Brady Shipper. So overall, it was a tough year for Wisconsin's tailbacks last season, and it's kind of carrying over into this spring without being able to be on the field. Remember, Wisconsin had high expectations for their running back group without Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. But without Taylor's experience and talent, the Badgers finished 62nd in the country in rushing offense. The tailbacks as a collective unit only had 834 yards in those seven games and seven touchdowns. Only had one player, that was Garrett Groshek, break 100 yards in any one game. And they only had one run over 25 yards the entire season. Now, despite Berger's limited experience, it's still more than the rest of the group put together. The other three tailbacks on UW's spring roster, Shipper, Julius Davis, and Isaac Rendell, had a combined 25 carries over the last two seasons. You look at other players, like a Julius Davis, one carry last season. Isaac Rendell missed most of the season dealing with a hamstring problem, a hamstring problem that continues to plague him now. Wisconsin is so limited at the tailback spot, fullbacks John Chanel and Quan Easterling are having to work at both tailback and fullback just so Wisconsin can scrimmage and practice. The lack of experience is one of the reasons why, though, there is some excitement with the hiring of Gary Brown as running back coach to replace John Settle. One of Brown's biggest traits after a decade in the NFL is how he has developed young tailbacks. Working with the Dallas Cowboys before coming to Wisconsin, Brown coached rookie Ezekiel Elliott and helped him win the rushing title as a rookie. And before being in Dallas, he was in Cleveland, where he mentored Trent Richardson and helped him record 1,300 yards from scrimmage, 950 rushing yards, 12 total touchdowns, and 72 points, which are all Brown rookie records. He also is incredibly inspirational, having beat cancer once a decade ago and is currently doing so again. Here is the media's conversation with Brown from last week about these tailbacks he's having a chance to work with. Uh, Gary, I was asking, what, what are your impressions of each of the running backs you've had in spring, either from what you've been able to see in practice or on film as you were studying them with Jalen, Isaac, Julius, and Brady? Uh, I think all four of those guys have um, a unique skill set. Um, I hadn't been able to watch them on film before I got here, but being that I've had them in practice a few times, I've been able to see that they've been able to grow uh, with some of the teaching. Some of the stuff I'm teaching may be a little different than what they're used to, uh, but they all have the skill set to go out and gain yards in the offense that we're going to run. Um, very excited working with all those guys. I think all those guys can, can have a, a niche in what we want to do. Um, obviously, one is going to separate from another when spring you know, clarifies itself and fall clarifies itself, but uh, I'm very excited about all four of those guys. Hey, Gary, I was wondering what attracted you to this job. I know you were out of football last year, but just wanted to, what was it about the Wisconsin job and this opportunity that uh, made you want to come here? Well, we all know that they've had a rich tradition of running backs. Uh, if you're a student of the game and you watch the game, uh, you understand that Wisconsin runs the ball. Uh, and what, what other place would a running back coach want to be where they're going to run the rock? So uh, that's where you want to be. That's where, uh, you know, when I talked to Coach Chris and, you know, her and I talked on the phone, uh, it just felt like a good place for me, a great place to, to, to come back uh, and reestablish myself as a coach in this game. And uh, I'm just glad they gave me an opportunity to do that. Gary, can you take us through 
it hasn't been a usual transition where you start the year on the same staff. You kind of came in late. Mm -hmm. You mentioned you didn't get a chance to look at those guys on tape. What that's been? What has that been like to try to get your feet under you and get comfortable? Well, it's been really good. Uh, I was in Dallas for seven straight seasons, so uh, this, the off season was kind of. Uh, I don't want to say easy, but I knew the offense. I knew the players. Uh, yeah, we were drafting guys going to combine. So it was kind of like I was in autopilot at, in Dallas for seven years. So in this situation where I didn't know anybody, I didn't know the offense, I didn't know anything, was exciting to me because now I'm back into the student mode. And now I'm, I'm learning and I'm trying to get the terminology down. I'm trying to learn the players and their, all their different uh, little ins and outs on how they do things and the coaches and all that. And it was, it's been very exciting. Listen, I'm not even close to where I need to be, but I'm going in the right direction. Just wondering for you what the biggest adjustment is going from between coaching at the NFL level and then being back in the college ranks now. And I was wondering, was this something was this something that appealed to you to go back to college, or is it just a case where it was this particular opportunity going to Wisconsin that appealed to you? Well, I think uh, I guess you can say yes on both ends. I think uh, it's always been intriguing to me to go back to college. Like I said, I've been I was in the NFL for eleven years. Uh, started off in college. Uh, so it's always been intriguing to me to, to maybe go back to college one day. Uh, well, when this opportunity came along, uh, it's one you can't turn down, uh, especially, like I said, with traditional running backs, uh, how they run the football, uh, how they do the things here. Uh, you've heard, you know, in the, in the ranks of you know, the NFL and you're at combines, you're talking to guys. Wisconsin's always one of those schools that's talked about that does it the right way, uh, not only uh, academically, but athletically. So, uh, you just want to be a part of those types of, of programs. When you were with the Dallas Cowboys, obviously that was the pinnacle of, of running the ball in the NFL, and now you're at the pinnacle of running the ball in college football. What has jumped out to you in your short time here with the Badgers? Maybe that's similar to what you've seen in Dallas, or just that's impressed you overall? What I, what I, what I think has jumped out to me is the way the coaches go about uh, formulating the game plan and formulating the offense. It's it's been tremendous for me to learn uh, from them guys. Those guys, those guys are tremendous coaches. Uh, they, they have a blend of college, but yet still have some pro feel to it. Uh, so it's a great way to to run the ball. Uh, I am I am totally totally appreciative of being in this situation because I'm learning some things that I've never learned before. Obviously, in the NFL, there's only a few teams that do the RPO thing, that do those types of things. So, uh, you know, I'm learning different ways of doing things. So it's, it's a tremendous, tremendous opportunity. Gary, Jalen Berger has the most carries in the group, I believe. He only played in four games last year, and this is just his second year. Where, first of all, what have you noticed about his skill set that, that you can help coach him? And how do you get a younger group ready for the grind of a college football season? Well, I think first with Jalen, I think that uh, just watching him, obviously I went when I got here, I watched him tape, uh, but watching him practice, He's a very smooth, instinctive runner. Uh, we, you know, he has a lot to learn, but I think he has a skill set to be a three-phase running back. And when I say three-phase, I mean can run, catch, and pass protect. Uh, so he has those those type of skill sets. We just have to get it out of him. He's very young. Uh, you know, there's going to be a certain standard that we set in the room that all of them are going to have to live up to. Uh, and they're all going in the right direction. Don't get me wrong; they're all great kids. They're all going in the right direction. Uh, but we got a long way to go. Uh, I'm glad that the season not starting next week. Uh, we got some time to, to get ready for Penn State, but um, it's, it's, it's a great situation to be in. It's a great situation to be in.
So you got a lot of guys in your room that are unproven, right? They haven't played a lot of snaps. They haven't played a lot at this position. Just do you see the, the hunger out of them because of that, or a desire to kind of impress when they get on the field? Well, I think it's a combination of hunger and the desire to learn, uh, which is great. Uh, they're like clay. Uh, and like I said earlier about being in the NFL, uh, it was kind of like you taught those guys how to do it. They signed five-year deals, and you don't have to teach them much of the offense anymore. And they've kind of gotten it. These guys are like clay, and it's given me an opportunity to mold them the way that Coach Christ wants them, uh, the way that Coach Rudy wants them, uh, and frankly, the way I want them. So uh, we're going to do our best to get them uh, in a situation where they're exactly what we want them to be uh, and uh, so they can help us win games. I'm just wondering, obviously, I can't imagine anybody can go through the health situation you did the last year without changing to some in some respect. I'm just wondering, everything you went through the last year or so, how has that impacted you as a coach? Has it changed you at all one way or the other? Well, I tell you what, it really changed me in the way of realizing that every day is a gift, uh, that what we do is special. What I do is special, whether it's in the NFL or college or wherever, every day is a gift and every day is special. So I think in that regard, it's helped me understand that when I step into the building, uh, I have to give it my best 100% because none of this is promised. Uh, none of the is guaranteed. And uh, you just got to go out and take the blessings that you have and make the most of them. Yeah, Gary, going back to Jalen, um, do you have any comparison for him for any of the pro backs or any running backs you've been with in your past coaching career when you watch him? Um, I don't want to compare him right now because he's so young, uh, but I'll tell you this. Uh, he is as smooth as a runner of I've, uh, that I've coached as far as his being smooth and being able to get in and out of holes and things of that nature. Uh, he reminds me of a of a young DeMarco when we had him early. He's very smooth. DeMarco's a very smooth runner, uh, but he was very explosive and very powerful. So that's what we're trying to get Jalen to be. Uh, he will get there. Again, he's young, uh, a couple years in the weight room, a couple years just getting behind the line, and, and actually playing football will help him get there. Uh, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be DeMarco, but I'm saying that he has the skill set uh, to be a very good runner. Yeah, Gary, you know, kind of back to your – your comment about learning to appreciate things, um, given your health issues that you've had to battle through. Football's been a big part of your life as a player and a coach. Did you ever reach a point in this process where you thought, it's going to be taken away from me before I'm ready to move on to something else? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure you guys know the history I've had. I've had cancer twice, um, you know, 10, 10, 11 years ago or whatever it was, or nine or whatever it was. And then just recently, uh, yeah, when you're sitting alone by yourself, and you know you're you're alone, and you're thinking about what's next. You really think about the things that are could be taken away, not only football, but your family and your friends and all these things. And it and it, it is going to do one or two things to you. It's either going to eat you up, and you're just gonna and you're gonna fold up, and you're just gonna go in a corner and die, or you're gonna fight. And my parents raised me to fight, so you know that that was my only uh, answer to you know quote unquote bad news is to fight and to go out and make sure that you do whatever you need to do uh, to try to be the best you can be. And being the best I could be was trying to fight this disease. And right now, you know, I am doing pretty good. So, uh, you know, it's, it, I feel great. Uh, all the numbers are great. Everything is great. Uh, I just got to continue to change my lifestyle 
with my eating habits and my medicines and things of that nature to continue to go down this road. So I fully intend to do that. Uh, I totally, totally uh, feel like I'm going to be here for another, hopefully, 40, 50 years. We'll live to be 100, and uh, we'll be good to go. As Wisconsin running back coach Gary Brown with some you know, very uplifting, positive words, not just on football, but kind of on life, an approach to life. And again, it's early in the process to get ready for September's season opener, which is why there's no panic in Graham Mertz's voice or in Gary Brown's voice. But there's some good building blocks at both the quarterback and the running back position. Next time on the podcast, we'll examine who the options are that Mertz is going to be throwing to with a look at the tight ends and the wide receivers currently going through Wisconsin spring practices. Wrapping up with some basketball news here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. As you undoubtedly heard, Brad Davison has decided to return for a fifth season at Wisconsin, an opportunity awarded to him with the NCAA making last season a non-counter year against the eligibility clock because of COVID. Davison announced that decision on Wednesday through UW's Twitter account, saying there is no place I would rather be than Madison, and he is grateful for one last ride with my coaches and teammates. Davison has played in 128 career games at Wisconsin. He started 124 of those. Last year, he averaged over 31 minutes per game and 10 points per game. In the UW record books, only Josh Gosser with 144, Ethan Happ with 139, and Orlando Tucker with 126 have played uh, more or started more games uh, during their career at Wisconsin than Brad Davison. Davis is the only one of six seniors choosing to return to UW. Demetric Trice, Micah Potter, and Nate Reavers are turning pro. Trevor Anderson has transferred to Valparaiso, and Walt Magori has transferred to South Dakota. Now, some fans may not like Davison's decision to come back, fans in air quotes, but that mass exodus, as stated above, Davison's return next season is huge for Wisconsin roster to give that roster some experience and some leadership that's currently missing from it. As head coach Greg Hart has called Davison, he's the cement between the bricks. And I think that's an accurate uh, description of what D- Brad Davis is going to bring this very young group of players in the fall. Now, following Davison's announcement, Wisconsin officially announced the signing of 2021 forward Marcus Alver on Friday, uh, believed to be the final piece of the Badgers 2021 signing class listed at 6'8 and 205 pounds. Oliver uh, hails from Ohio Western Reserve Academy. He committed to the Badgers in January over more than a dozen scholarship offers. He's originally from Estonia, uh, played in Virginia before moving to Ohio. Uh, Guard sent a statement that Marcus is an excellent addition to our recruiting class and program. He impressed us from the very beginning with size, athleticism, and a skill set that matches our style of play. Marcus has a well-rounded game with room to grow in all areas. His ability to shoot the ball at his size has been a strength to this point. End quote. Now, Marcus's dad played professionally in Estonia, so there's some good bloodlines there. Uh, Marcus also represented Estonia at the 2020 Baltic Sea Basketball Cup. He earned MVP honors after averaging 15 points and 6 rebounds per game. He joins a recruiting class that includes two other forwards in Illinois' Chris Hodges and South Dakota's Matthew Morris. Uh, They both signed in the fall with point guard Chucky Hepburn. Hodges committed to the Badgers in August 2019, while Hepburn and uh, Morris committed a day apart later that fall. Those three have been on UW's campus multiple times, while Marcus has been forced to view Wisconsin from afar with the recruiting periods wiped out due to COVID. 
And the other commitment we need to talk about, Wisconsin has one open scholarship remaining now after reportedly landing a transfer commitment from Wake Forest point guard Jacoby Neath on Thursday. Six foot three sophomore point guard to play in 50 games during two years with the Demon Deacons. He averaged 17 minutes per game, 4.7 points, two assists, a half steal, and 1.8 rebounds. He'll be eligible immediately after the NCAA passed a one-time transfer rule, allowing players to switch schools one time without having to sit out a season. Now, without a true point guard on the roster, at least an experienced point guard on the roster, Neath appears to fill a critical void for Wisconsin in the backcourt. Time will tell if guard will use the transfer portal one more time to strengthen a frontcourt that's also short on experience. That is our podcast for this week. For all the latest on Wisconsin football, basketball, recruiting, log on to BadgerBlitz.com. Follow me on Twitter at TheBadgerNation. We'll give you plenty more updates throughout the week on recruiting, Wisconsin spring football, and anything else, any other breaking news concerning the University of Wisconsin. Have a great week, everybody. We will talk to you next week, talking Wisconsin wide receivers and tight ends and more spring football here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast.